Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Don't. No, you didn't come into the podcast partway through. That is the one rule about storing silver and gold overseas or even out of your own possession in some vault corporation or even in your local bank. Don't. This is a view that I'm fairly unapologetic about. I think that there is far too many individuals that trust far too too many companies and, and countries with their precious metals. But just like silver and gold ETFs are dangerous because you don't really own that precious metals that that is supposedly backing those contracts. The same is true for when you choose to have your silver or gold in some vault. Now, there are the few exceptions out there. You know, when we're dealing with very large amounts of wealth, uh, the, the type of wealth that probably would not be tuned into this channel... Yeah, maybe you can make an exception for that. Uh, that that there could be some arrangement that is made to uh, house their gold or their silver away from their own location or whatever. And there's certain jurisdictions where I would honestly probably feel more comfortable having large amounts outside of my own country. I get that. Uh, of those countries, not the United States, though, or most Western countries, given the current political climate. And, and, you know, really, I know this podcast, I started off weird with a simple one-word one answer, but, but this is sort of in response to an article over on Zero Hedge, actually, originally from SovereignMan.com, written by Simon Black, actually a guy who I, I read fairly often when, when he posts stuff. Um, he's a smart guy, uh, and I agree with most of what he's saying, and I understand that his audience is probably more so the, the very wealthy versus <laughs> most of my audience. However... He gives this, uh, this article, four rules for storing physical gold overseas. And, and the rules aren't actually all that bad. Pick a provider that has its own in-house storage. Make sure the gold is segregated. If they don't share their financials, run away. And finally, be mindful of jurisdiction rules. All great rules if you're going to ultimately store your silver and gold overseas and in some sort of a vault. But... Why overcomplicate things? Why try and find exceptions to the really simple rule of if you don't hold it, you don't own it? You know, I'm willing to make exceptions to that rule when we're talking about other assets or other asset classes. Stocks, for example. I don't expect for every stock I own, I, I don't own any right now, but let's say I get into stocks, um, I don't expect to to own every stock certificate. It's just not practical. You know, I'm, I'm not the one to hold a stock for a long period of time. It, no, I'm willing to make exceptions for that. Same thing is true for, for treasuries. Same thing is true for cash in my bank account 
or you know various forms of retirement accounts, 401ks and, and, and many IRAs and annuities and all that, it's, it's unreasonable to expect to actually have physical possession of any of those assets, right? It's being managed by somebody else or it's in, in, in basically digital form or whatever. But when it comes to precious metals, one of the reasons that we're getting into it in the first case or in the first place is not because we just expect it to appreciate in value or for it to earn us a, a dividend or something like that or a yield. That may be true for, for bonds or for stocks or many other assets, right? And that's the primary value, value that we find in it. When it comes to precious metals, yeah, those things can be true. Mostly the, the appreciating value, not so much the yield and the dividend. Those things can be true. But first and foremost, the reason we're choosing, or most of us, I think, is, is a way to protect our wealth, to leave it less exposed to risks. And when you think of market risks, I think those that are used to you know, analyzing the market from a very, um, well, I mean, oftentimes when we think of risks, we, we think of risks that we've encountered before. I'm talking about markets going down or, or becoming maybe slightly illiquid or whatever. Those are what we'd think of as market risks. And, and we all have something in mind that might be a market risk for, for stocks or for bonds or, or whatever, or even precious metals. I'm talking about market risks or just risks in general that most of us, most of us actually haven't experienced, but are, are far more likely than I think many of us would, would like to believe. In relation to precious metals, I'm talking about, first of all, we can talk about laws. Laws outline the ownership of, of precious metals. It sounds crazy, and yet it's happened many times throughout history. For most of us that, that subscribe to the, if you don't hold it, you don't own it philosophy, not a huge problem. We keep it in our own possession. I am going to go out on a limb and say it's pretty unlikely that local police organizations or even the, you know, the FBI or something, uh, they're going to go door-to-door uh, confiscating people's silver and gold. No, I, I tend to think that's pretty unlikely. If they find it in, in a drug bust or a warrant search or whatever, uh, maybe. Okay. But otherwise, pretty unlikely. However, the government's very likely to, to jump at the assets that are well within their reach. I'm talking assets that are in vaults, right? It's, it's all documented. It's all there. And, and no vault is going to stand up to, to a government, whether it's the U.S. government or another government. And that's another problem with this idea of vaulting overseas or in your own country, but certainly overseas, is that all of a sudden you're exposed to, to sort of a double risk in terms of, of jurisdictions and, and laws. You have the risk, let's say you're in the United States and, and you're storing it in, in Singapore. Now, I don't think it's super likely that Singapore is going to outlaw precious metals ownership or confiscate this stuff. I mean, that would that'd be a major blow to their reputation and, and their reputation and, and their the environment that they provide to, to do business is, is a big part of why they, they've been so successful as a little city-state. But wherever you're having it housed, all of a sudden you're exposed to the chance that laws could be introduced in that country that would impact your your wealth that you're storing overseas. But additionally, there's the chance that, that your own country 
comes up with some some various laws outlining the ownership of this. And if you're linked to it, well, that might put you in a very tenuous position, right? And I know, you know, there's Simon Black. He's a big fan of, of, of being very willing to move outside of your, your home country. At this point, I'll be honest, I'm not um, willing to, to move out of the United States at this point in time. And, and yeah, there, there's maybe scenarios where I, I could be convinced to do that. Um, but I still see it as fairly unlikely. I understand that argument, but still, you're all of a sudden exposed to double the risk, the, the political risk of, of such an event occurring. And so that's a that's a really big problem, I think, with this uh, this idea of of having it house in a vault is the jurisdiction, but but uh, jurisdictions and laws. But second of all, you also have the counterparty risk of of the vault itself. Now, I, I tend to think that when it comes to silver and gold vaults, the idea of it being raided by anything other than a government agency is pretty low. Um, additionally, I, I would I would guess that most of these are insured against such an action. Uh, I, I, you know, we, we think of like a, like a, I don't know, a James Bond villain or, or whatever oceans, one of those oceans movies, you know, going into one of these vaults and, and loading up all the gold and silver and getting it out. I mean, that's, that's not something I'm so much worried about with this idea of, of having your silver and gold vaulted when it comes to counterparty risk. Rather, I'm more worried about these companies and, and mismanagement, whether it's intentional or not. I, oftentimes I tend to think that it would be intentional. Now, I mean, Simon Black, he, he wrote on here, you know, segregated and, and, and transparent financials, uh, all of that. And that's, that's all fine and dandy, but there's still a level of trust that is implicit in, in having them hold your silver and gold. Financials can lie, uh, so-called segregated accounts or, or whatever filing system they have to, to keep silver and gold separate among clients, they can lie. Um, or even if they're telling the truth now, it doesn't mean that won't change in the future. I mean, one of the big problems with like ETFs, like SLV or GLD, has always been the idea that, you know, if we could even get our hands on it in the first place, it's very difficult in most cases. Um, you know, there's always the question of, well, is it all there or is it more of a fractional reserve system? Uh, not unlike fractional reserve banking and whatnot. And so, you know, that's kind of a major concern as well when it comes to these vaulting agencies or these vaults. Is it really all there? And again, I know, like, I'm sure that a good majority of these vaulting corporations are, are honest, and, and they'll remain honest in the future. But why put that risk out there? Especially for most of my audience. Of course, don't take any of this as investment advice. You guys can do what you want with your money, with your capital, with your silver and gold. Sure. But why take that risk with an asset that you bought in the first place when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply in order to mitigate risk, to avoid these problems 
that that are there for for so many other assets for for stocks, bonds, fiat, etc. As always, thank you every single one of my listeners from the bottom of my heart for listening and God bless.